You're sitting with your supervisor for your annual review. He begins to tell you how you have not only met expectations, but you have exceeded them. He has hard data right in front of him. He is pointing to it that shows how what you did literally made profits for the company. And then he says there is just this one area of improvement. Later, when your spouse asks you how the review went, you begin to process out loud how in the world did he choose that one thing as the area that needs to improve. And then you think about it for the next weeks, wondering why it was that one thing. You see that there's a text message from your uncle. He's one of those uncles that doesn't really send text messages, he sends text memos. And it says, dear cousin, and then there's a blank line and you know what that means. You know it's going to be pages and pages and pages of text with his latest political rant. And so you just silence the messages and don't even respond. It is the 90th day of over 100 degree temperatures in Austin, Texas. You are remembering when we had over 100 days, your HVAC went out. You had to adjust your entire schedule. You were training for a half marathon and you had to get up at 5 a.m. just so that you would be able to make it through the training run. And so before you even get out of bed, you are already sweating and you are in a bad mood. We have a tendency to focus on the negative. Not only that, but it's proven that we remember the negative experiences that happen in our lives with more emotion than we do the positive ones. We don't necessarily remember all of the facts, but we remember how it felt in that. So what scientists tell us is that there's this thing that we have that we got from our ancestors called negativity bias. It's actually meant to keep us safe. So imagine you're a caveman. In the morning, you come out of the cave to go and hunt for the day. In that very first step out of the cave, you need to assume a threat is just around the corner. Because if you do not, then it could mean your safety or your family's safety. So we created, our ancestors gave us this ability to make sure that we were on guard against things that might be a threat. But what it's turned into is this constant negativity. This is the norm. And so that means that it is also the norm for the modern family. We call it the glass half empty mindset. Just to use my family as a small example, you know, we do this roses and thorns and buds at dinner, the one time a week that we are trying to do that with our experiment. And we will all just spill, spill the negative. It is so easy to come up with the low or the thorn. And then we're like, well, you'll have to come back to me for the rose. This is what our modern family is dealing with. And as followers of Jesus, we have been given a gift. We have been given the capacity, the power to be able to look at it, not as glass half full, but as glass full. To help us with that, we are gonna to turn to Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Before we do so, will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the community gathered. 
for the ways that this one hour of the week reminds us that you are God, we are not. So all that we feel is causing anxiety or is anything that we feel we must do immediately after that, just may we let it go. May we just be present here with you, you filling us up, our brothers and sisters around us filling us up. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Here's Paul's word to the church in Philippi. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Paul writes this passage beginning with finally, brothers and sisters. When you see finally in anywhere in the New Testament, it, the other way to translate it from the Greek is therefore. Therefore means you need to know what it is there for. And so Paul is saying, lean in. You need to know, you need to make sure to listen, be really tuned to what I am about to say. He has just told us at the beginning of our passage, he has just told us to rejoice in the Lord always, rejoice. We sang earlier about rejoicing no matter the storms, no matter the shadows. There's this mysterious thing that takes place as followers of Christ is that no matter if we are in the valley of the shadow of death, that the Spirit of God within us can do this amazing work of turning it around, of being able to see things full as opposed to empty, having the mindset of abundance, not of scarcity, having the mindset of hope and action, not of fear and anxiety. Whenever this word finally is used, it's a blinking yellow light saying, slow down, pay attention. Watch what you're about. Listen to what you see. What's come is, what comes after this is he says, finally, my brothers and sisters, and he gives this task list. For those of you that every week wish you would come in here and there would just be a do this, do not, this is your Sunday. Paul makes it very clear. It's like a rubric of the things that we are supposed to do if we want to have this joy, if we want to have this peace that passes understanding, if we want to not be anxious about anything. He says this, think about these things. That's what he tells us to do. But the word think in Greek is logizomai, and it comes from the Greek word logos. Y'all know logos, it just means word. He's saying, what are the words that are swirling around in your heads? What are those thoughts that you fall asleep to at night or that you think about while you're driving or you do while you're staring off in the middle of boring sermon? 
What are those words that are roaming around your head? And it got me thinking, the things that roam around in my head are the things that I'm spending my time doing. The things that I'm spending my time listening to and watching the people that I'm having conversations with. All of that adds to the words and the images and emotions that are swirling around in our minds. An old Cherokee is teaching his grandson about life and he tells the boy, there is a terrible fight going on inside of me. It is a fight between two wolves. One is pure evil. That wolf is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other wolf is good. It is joy. It is peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. And that same fight is going inside of all of us and inside you too, grandson. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then he said, well, which wolf will win? And the grandfather said, oh, the one that you feed. The one that you feed. So what are we feeding our minds? If the TV show that you're watching is giving you bad dreams, you don't have to watch it anymore, even if it's popular. If the news makes you anxious and afraid, Every time you read it or every time you watch it, you don't have to. If the friend that you hang out with, you realize all we do when we get together is just talk about other people, you can change the subject. We have choice in what we are getting to feed our minds. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable. If there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy, think about these things. Let these things swirl around in our minds. There is a glass full attitude and the modern family needs this. We need this. I wanted to be sure though to make sure you weren't thinking that I was saying we need to sing songs to a heavy heart. The glass full meant you just kind of like ignore someone's feelings. They call this toxic positivity. And so imagine a child comes home and, and tells a mom, mom, there were no seats at the lunch table today. And, and so I felt left out and wasn't able to sit with my friends. And the mom responds with, well, at least you got to eat lunch today because there were many in this world who did not. <laughs> toxic positivity says, I'm feeling pretty sad. Just cheer up, just change your attitude and things will get better. This is not what a glass full mentality says because a glass full mentality actually has more to do about who God is. Realizing that God is always abundant. God's faithfulness never decreases. This isn't about our circumstances. This is about who God is. We are led to believe by the things that we consume in our world that the church is dying. 
that the kingdom of God is scarce. And that might be true for this country, but I can show you survey after survey, research after research, no one in this country has a problem with God. No one has a problem with God. Very few have a problem with Jesus. The church, yes. But the kingdom of God is still exploding. You look in the global south and the far east, God is booming and always has been. What are we feeding ourselves? As parents, we need to zoom in. We need to lean in on what is true, what is honorable. God's glass full is about seeing God's larger story. Realizing that in the moment, even though things might be rough in our city, in our country, in our own family, that God's arc of justice, as MLK says, that the arc of history is always bending towards justice. This table that we're going to celebrate in a few minutes reminds us that the victory has been won. We have the opportunity and the responsibility to rejoice as people of God. I was having coffee with a mom this week, and she was telling me how the friends that her girls had at the beginning of their year are kind of changed as the year has gone on. And she wasn't upset about it. And what she was proud of wasn't that they had made this decision on their own. She was so proud. Why? They said, Mom, we just want to be around people that are more positive. They just longed for glass full. And so here we are, we are gathered at this table, the modern family table, and we have started an experiment a few weeks ago. The challenge has been to sit around this table once a week with your family. If your family doesn't live with you, then put them on an iPad or put them on the telephone. Ask them what's low about their life, what's high about their life. Last week we talked about the plate of prayer. This is a responsibility that our families have for one another, is to be holding each other up before God, even if it's not said out loud. How can I pray for you this week? And today, I want us to consider, when we're at this table, how can we say, oh, this is true. Did you hear about, do you hear about what happened? This was just, oh my gosh, this was praiseworthy. This was commendable. This was benevolent. This was hopeful. The glass can be full at the modern family table.